Okay, good morning, everyone. Welcome. My name is Ashley Sharp, and I'll be leading class this morning. And um, before we get started, we're going to have Nisha Shaw. She's uh, here, Director of Programming at Spirit Rock. And uh, she is going to talk about our upcoming change in class, because she does programming, and we're getting uh, shifted. We'll be shifting to Thursday starting in May. And I thought it would be really nice, or actually Nisha thought it would be really nice to have someone from Spirit Rock come and talk to you about it just for a moment. Hi, good morning. Um, apologize, I like rushed up from, from our buildings here, so I'm a little out of breath, but um, welcome. I, I have to say, came to Ashley's class my first week when I, when I started here and love this class. And I can't tell you how many times on my schedule I put in that I'm going to come take the class. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, the, the way things work, you can't quite come as often as you'd like to. So, um, Yes. <laughs> I can't come as easily on Thursday either. But um, So yes, I wanted to share with you, um, we, we had really looked at a lot of different factors in making the consideration to shifting to Thursday. So starting in May, this class will, will move from Friday. And it's been a long-standing class on Fridays. I really, really appreciate that many of you have been coming here for, for a long, long time. And so it was not a very easy decision to make. But some of the factors that happened was that um, in building this beautiful building, it's, you know, one of the things to sustain it is that we have to fill it. We have to have programs in here that reflect our mission so we can sustain it. So there is a piece of really looking at our schedule to see what makes sense. And, um, you know, weekends, we can't cram everything into the weekends. And we, we have to use the space during the weekdays. And so when we look at... Um, people's availability and your class size being as large as it is, that you, you might have noticed there have been a couple times that you've been shifted upstairs. And, you know, that's not fun for everyone to be crammed into a space. And you can look at the size and recognize that it's only growing. Um, and yet we have a demand for Fridays being a, a popular time to have all day long programming. And we... We can't do that as easily on other days. Most people can take a Friday off and come here for a whole day, or employers can be flexible in, in having CE opportunities. Um, so that was kind of the reality that we are facing, that one, Ashley's doing such a phenomenal job that her class size is growing. We can't always move you upstairs. And we don't want it to be a negative experience where people have to be hanging out in the hallway or you're, you're turned away as a result. So it enables Ashley to grow this class, develop the sangha, you know, all of you together. You look forward to seeing each other um, and have the space to do it by switching to Thursdays. And it enables us to create a... Um, you know, the reality of sustainability here and using a, a Friday for a day long and, um, and being able to kind of sustain what we do here. So it's a little bit of that piece is, is here. You know, it is a reality that we had to look at that factor and the fact that, you know, Ashley's class is growing and it can't shift upstairs. So I don't want to take too much of your time, um, you know, right now to, um, 
you know, uh, make this a, a full session about this. But I'm going to come back again. I can answer a few questions as well right now. But I'm going to welcome you to please email me directly if you want to talk in person or we can set up a phone call. With you know, I'd love to hear your concerns. If there's factors we're not considering that you would like us to consider as well, um, we really look for that. Thir- we're going to protect that Thursday time. I, I'm giving you my promise. There's no intention of, you know, kind of having it spread out because we value our drop-in programs equally. It just, um, it just, Friday was a tricky day. And so we're going to really make that Thursday class really protected and having it here in this great hall so there's enough space for everyone. Um, so is there any questions right now in general? Mm-hmm. It was taken into consideration, and um, I, I can't. It, it was several, several weeks of thought behind it, and you know, sitting there with the reality. And you know, we shared, we talked to Ashley before making the decision as well of really trying to understand. Does it seem like how many people would be impacted? We talked to the teachers who held this class previously as well with, for their thoughts. So there's a lot of input in trying to understand that, and. Um, and the the appreciation that you know it's um, it, it 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 will be a change for for some people and not being able to shift their schedule and I you know we we feel it here we really really do because sangha is what's closest to our hearts and when people develop a sangha we so don't want to take it away we really don't want to take it away so I can appreciate that that's difficult for people not to be able to make it. Anything else? So my name is Nisha Shah. If you look on our directory, it's under programs, and I really welcome you to please don't hesitate to email me or pick up the phone and call. I really, I'll, I'll try and come back again as well, and and um, you know try and maybe join the closing and maybe come for the whole class just to do some yoga. <laughs> and um, you know I appreciate all of you here in the space and um, many, many deep apologies in having to, to shift the class, truly. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I hope you can understand where we're coming from and, and please forgive us for the inconvenience and um, the shifts that, it, it, that, that, that happened for you in your own life as a result. So, thank you. Thank you, Nisha. Oh, yeah, I'll do it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Nisha. Change is hard, yeah? Change is hard. That's our topic for today. Not change is hard. (laughs) The topic is, um, for today, uh, aligning with nature. Aligning with nature. Uh, For the yoga part of the practice, which will be starting soon, I hope, uh, aligning with nature. Our bodies are nature. You know, you've probably heard that old trope, that uh, we're made of stardust. We actually are. Like the elements in our body are the same elements that came from the stars. And we have water in us. It's the same water that comes out of the sky. So aligning with nature will be our practice uh, for today. Let's start on your back. You'll start on your back. Um, And if you've come in, there's mats up in this front closet. There's mats up in the front closet. Oh, that's a good idea. Just take a big stretch, like a cat. 
that's like a good morning stretch. Um, and do you two mind scooching forward just a titch so we can fit the space? Yeah. So I'm making space for the others of you just coming in over here. There's going to be a whole bunch of space. Okay, pull your knees into your chest. Pull your knees into your chest. Come on over here. There's space. Uh-huh. And then circle your knees. Circle your knees. How does that feel? Oh, good. <laughs> Did you all hear the whispered, great? <laughs> great. All right. And uh, circle the knees in the other direction. And some of you are circling your knees together, and some of you are circling your knees apart. So do the opposite. If you're circling your knees away from each other, pull them together. Okay, and then stretch yourself out again. Big, long, stretch, 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 stretch. Arms up, legs forward. Are you finding everything you need? Yeah, do the mats. Okay, and then bring the arms down by your sides and find a way to be comfortable for a moment. So for some of you with legs extended and for others of you with knees bent, it will be really your choice. And just for a moment... Sense that your body is here on the floor. Your body is here on the floor. And put aside your concerns for just a moment. And you'll take one deeper breath. One deeper breath. Okay, so may this class this morning, be, may it be to your highest good. May this class uh, serve you with the cultivation of wisdom and compassion as we line ourselves up with nature, the way of things. May this class really be to your highest good, whatever might be best for you today. So that when you leave, you have more capacity to meet the challenges of your life. Take one full breath. Really draw the air in. Fill all the way up like a balloon. And then empty out. Okay. And then bend the knees. Place the feet on the floor. Some of you had this already, but if you haven't. And bring your hands down to your hips. And just take a hold of your hips. Maybe fingers on your low belly. Uh, Just noticing your hips. And... uh, Pick up the right knee without moving your hips. So the right knee will come towards the chest and then put down. And then the left knee and put down. And do this slow enough that you can see about moving your thigh bones but not your pelvis. So sometimes if we pull the knee in quite close, the pelvis begins to move. See if you can divorce the movement of the thigh from the pelvis. That's a funny word to use. Disconnect. Disconnect. Uh And then also to remember that when we practice yoga, if you feel that something is hard on your body, you should just stop. 
We could think about yoga practice as a conversation with the body, not a demand, not a, a sort of a demanding imposition, but actually a, a conversation with the body where we're responding to sensation, responding. Okay, so finish the one you're on. Open the knees, bottoms of the feet, touch. Uh-huh. And here, even with your hands still on your belly, take a couple of belly breaths so that the belly moves as you breathe. I know the air goes in your lung, but move the belly as you breathe. Mm-hmm. Knees are open. Bottoms of the feet are touching each other. Soles of the feet touching, yeah. Uh-huh. Soften the jaw. Take one more breath. So one of the ways that we can line up with nature so that we can be in accord with nature is to begin to listen to our body. Rest when it needs rest. Come out of a yoga pose when it needs to come out of a yoga pose. Eat when you're hungry. What a radical idea, right? Lining up with the body. Let's pull the knees to the ceiling. High hands on the floor by your sides. Keep the feet on the floor. I wasn't precise on that one. Yeah, feet can stay on the floor. Get your feet hip-width apart and the ankles under the knees. Uh And then inhale, lift up the hips and sweep the arms all the way to the floor over the head. So your butt lifts up and your arms go all the way to the floor. And then exhale, bring your hips and your arms back down. And that's your pattern. It's very simple. Inhale, butt Lifts, arms go back, and exhale, butt comes down, and arms go down. Just like so. Please do two more of those. Standing on your feet as you lift your hips. So there's a sense of the feet taking the support, the weight. There's a sense, a clear sense of those feet. Okay. Finish the one you're on. Pull your knees into your chest. Uh-huh. Open your knees away from each other. So knees and feet go away from each other. Take a big breath. Use your hands. Pull the knees back together. Take both hands around the right knee. Extend your left leg forward and off the floor. So the spine, the back is supported by the floor. The head's down. And your left leg is forward and off the floor. Uh huh. Inhale. Exhale. Switch. Pause here for a moment. The leg that's extended towards the front of the room. Have the toes on that foot. Have them jut up towards the ceiling like a little yoga flag. The toes will be spread. Uh huh. Inhale. Switch. Uh huh. Now here, your extended leg, that straight leg is quite firm. Can you, in contrast, relax the shoulders a little bit? Good. Inhale, switch. Uh, Again, relaxing a bit through the neck and shoulders, the eyes. So the work is happening where the work needs to happen and not where it doesn't. Good. Inhale, switch. This time... Optional for extra abdominal strength challenge. So it's optional. I mean, the whole class is optional. But optional is to lift up the head and shoulders towards the knee. Uh Lifting those shoulders up as high as you can. 
pressing the hands into the knee, the knee into the hands. Okay, head comes down if it came up, and you'll switch legs. And again, you might commit to having your head on the floor, uh, balancing your effort, calm and strong. Or you might like to lift the head and shoulders up and really lift up as high as you can with those head and shoulders. Okay, if your head came up, put it down. Let's have both knees bent, both feet on the floor. Hands stay down on the floor. Lift your hips up. Take two chest breaths. Breathe in so that the chest, the rib cage, expands. Uh Okay, come on down. Bring your ankles and knees together. Inhale, let your knees uh, fall away from each other. And exhale, pull the knees back together. Mm -hmm. So feet are on the floor. Inhale, knees open. Exhale, knees close. Do this a few more times. And then as you exhale, also flatten your lower back into the floor. So when you get to the beginning of your exhale, pull your lower back down onto the floor. Good. Do two more. When you've finished, finish with the knees open, bottoms of the feet touch. Uh huh. Pause. Relax the shoulders. Let your eyes relax. Tongue relaxes. So it's very interesting. Our bodies know how to heal themselves. Like if you get a cut, we let it alone. You don't pick at the scab. I mean, we could pick at the scab, right? But the body knows how to heal itself. This is in alignment with nature. Let's pull the knees back together. And now take your right leg, extend it up towards the ceiling. Just stick it up there for a moment and see what you feel. You might get a bit of a stretch on the back of the leg. Uh huh. Press up through the heel. See how that goes. Well, hi, Amy. Long time no see. Okay. And then bend the knee and place the foot on the floor and take the left leg up. Hi, Carl. Oh, everybody's coming today. Okay, press up through the heels, spread the toes. Good, see how your back feels nice and flat against the floor. Good, bend the knee and put the foot down. Now, uh, with the breath, inhale the right leg up, just where it was. Exhale, bend the knee and put it down. And then the left leg you'll do, just like so. Yeah, just make something up if you're not sure what's going on. Why not? So we use the movement as an opportunity to practice mindfulness of the body. So the Buddha talked about mindfulness being this technique, this practice that can reduce harm in the world, that can reduce suffering by paying attention to what's happening moment to moment. And uh, the first 
cornerstone or the first foundation of mindfulness is to pay attention to body, to body sensations and breath. So lining ourselves up with the body, lining ourselves up with nature. Okay, let's finish. Pull both knees into your chest. Uh-huh. Take both knees over to the right. And let them fall towards the floor. Your arms will open up. If your knees can't get to the floor, maybe grab some of those cushions that are lying around and put them under your knees. Uh-huh. And the arms will open out. The water bottle. Usually we get three water bottle tips each class. <laughs> All right, let your head turn to the left. And then see here how the floor is holding your right ribs and the right side of the torso and let the breath move with ease and freedom through the left. Ease and freedom with the breath through the left. Uh Relax your wrists. And the breath is soft. So we have within our very body, actually, the nature of the body is um, to take in. We take in air and then to let go. It's this natural cycle that's right with our body. Let's bring the legs up and over to the other side. Oh, I heard that. I'm going to pay extra for that. Let your head turn a bit. And here the floor is holding your left ribs, and the breath is soft and silky and moving through the right ribs. Let your tongue relax. So I have a a little verse from the Tao Te Ching. Do you know that? It's from China, written by Lao Tzu sometime around the 2nd century B.C. Let's come on up. Pull your knees into your chest. The Tao Te Ching, the Book of the Way is called. Express yourself completely. Oh, this is verse 23. Express yourself completely, then keep quiet. Yeah. Be like the forces of nature. When it blows, there is only wind. When it rains, there is only rain. When the clouds pass, the sun shines through. Take a big breath. And then rock up to sitting or roll to the side. Somehow get, actually once you're on sitting, all the way onto your hands and knees. And it can be nice to put this square cushion under your knees or a blanket if you didn't have a square cushion. But something under your knees and you'll come onto your hands and knees. Mm-hmm. Once you get onto your hands and knees, it's inhale, drop the belly, lift the chin and the chest, and exhale, tuck the tail around the head. Do three more of those, so not too many of those, inhaling and exhaling. Again, noticing how it feels to move the body. It's mindfulness technique. And when you've done the one that you're doing, shift to child's pose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we won't stay here too long. Child's pose isn't comfortable for everybody, I realize. So take one big breath. And then come back up onto your hands and knees. 
Now get your knees on the cushions. Uh-huh. Step your right foot forward between your hands. Uh-huh. Sink your butt towards your right heel like there was a butt magnet in your heel. I don't know why there would be, but if there were, uh-huh. And then climb your hands up to your front thigh. Mm. Mm. Is that possible? You can always come back next week. I'll be here. Uh-huh. Left arm will come up in the air. Exhale, left arm down. Inhale, left arm up. Exhale, left arm down. Sensitize that left arm as it comes up. Let's do one more. Down. And up. Okay. Now, both hands down to the floor so you can switch a row on your legs. Right foot back. Left foot forward. Mm-hmm. Sink your butt towards your right heel, hands up to the front thigh. Ooh, how's it going? I'm facing kind of funny. Bring your right arm up. Yeah. Okay. And exhale down. And inhale up. And a few more of these. So just a quick note, just in case you didn't notice. Um, there are things that are awkward in a yoga class, and um, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It just means there are things that are awkward sometimes. It's good practice for regular life when those awkward things happen. Okay. And both hands to the floor. Okay, we're going to be wild. Downward facing dog. Step that left foot back. Curl the toes under. Take your tushy high. Downward dog. Okay, now we're not going to stay here. Inhale, knees to the floor. Look forward. Exhale, child's pose. Uh-huh. Right away, inhale, back up, hands and knees. Exhale, downward dog. Uh-huh. Inhale, hands and knees. Exhale, child's pose. Inhale, hands and knees. Exhale, downward dog. Okay. Now, have your feet hip-width apart and take your hands up here. Your heels won't be on the floor. It's okay. Okay, let your head drop. Head drop. And then breathe deeply. So the breath, this natural technology of the breath, of bringing in a nourishment, bringing in what's new, bringing in oxygen, and the exhale, letting go of what we don't need. This process is right in our body, just like healing is right in our body. Often we need to nourish and protect more than do and manipulate. All right, knees to the floor. And then um, I'd like you to lie on your belly, and I think probably you need to move whatever's been under your knees because it'll be lumpy in a weird way. And then uh, walk your hands and elbows forward, just like Betty has, for Sphinx pose. So walk your hands and elbows forward so you're in Sphinx pose. Okay. Now... Drop your head, lift your belly button, and then lift your butt back a little bit so the hips go back. And inhale, drop your hips, lift your head. Exhale, drop your head, lift your navel, lift your hips. A few more of these, inhaling <coughs> and exhaling. 
Now, for those of you that would like extra more challenge, you could, when you come back, also lift the knees up. Ooh, that's an extravaganza. And if you're lifting the knees up, you can do it with the toes curled under or without the toes curled under. It's really up to you. It's really more up to your body, your parts. And then when your hips are up, whether your knees are up or not, I don't care, but when your hips are up, stay with the hips up. Oh, okay. And then once you're up and your hips are up, look forward. I'll be back in 10 minutes. Oh, that old joke. All right, two more breaths. It's like 20 years old now at this point. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Will there be new jokes, new jokes on Thursday? Okay, money-back guarantee, new jokes on Thursdays. <laughs> All right, put your hips down. Uh-huh, and then push back up into downward-facing dog. Ah, big breath once you get in downward dog. Rinse, rinse the air through you. Okay, let's get the right foot forward between your hands. This is going to be easier said than done. It might not get up there on the first try. Sometimes if you pick up the foot with the hands, uh-huh, and then turn the back heel on the floor. Climb yourself up, arms in the air. Hallelujah. A warrior one. I didn't say which. So many facing the front. So many warriors, so little time. Uh-huh. Yeah, right foot forward, right knee bent, arms are up. Okay, inhale, cactus elbows. Arms up, inhale, cactus elbows. Two more of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, relax your belly when you inhale and engage your belly when you exhale. Let's meet with our arms up, uh, and then bend your elbows in front of you, and pull your left, so use your right hand, pull your left elbow across. So use the hand on the elbow, and pull it across to the right. And then, i got to move away. Okay, push into your back foot. Like you had a tango leg behind you, reaching elegant back leg. Yeah, the heels down. It's not entirely like a tango leg because your heels on the floor, but sort of like a tango leg. Are you breathing? Uh-huh. Okay. Release the arms straight in the right leg. Let's adjust the feet. So the feet are wide front to back, but they're also wide side to side. Uh-huh. And then both arms up. Okay, exhale, tip forward, arms go back, inhale, come up, arms go up, and down, and up, and down, and up. Now stay upright, but put the arms down. Bring your hands behind you. I think most of you will take a hold of your forearms. A couple of you will get reverse namaste. It's palms together, fingers up. All right. And then tip forward some amount. Good. Good. Push a bit into your back heel. Push a bit into that back heel. 
Just like so. Okay, so going back to that verse, when it rains, it rains. When the wind blows, it blows. This is a little bit a description of mindfulness where we're practicing being present for the human experience. Sometimes I like to think of mindfulness as a bearing witness. So bear witness right now. Observe yourself. Okay, come on up. And release the arms. Step forward. Okay. Just pause for a minute. You might feel lopsided because we've only done one half of the situation. Uh, Just pause. Observe. So our bodies are nature. Our hearts are nature. We are not separate. So when I say observe, you're observing nature. Just like when you observe the wild turkeys. Okay. Forward fold. Down, down, down you go. Uh-huh. Take two breaths here. And then our yoga party will meet in downward facing dock. Aha. Uh-huh. Good. If you have tender wrists, you could do this on your elbows. You could even have your knees on the floor. So it really makes so yoga as a conversation with the body and responding with nature, with the nature of the body, which is to be always changing. Let's get the left foot forward. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Put the back heel on the floor. So you move it over a little bit, heel down, and then come on up. Arms will be up. Warrior one. That's the one where you face the front of the room. And the arms are in the air, this sort of hallelujah style. Okay. Inhale. Cactus elbows. Arms up. Inhale. Cactus elbows. That's your pattern. Do, oh, maybe two more, three more of those. Something like so. Have a sense of your legs on the floor. We'll also be doing levitation when we move to Thursdays. (laughs) All right. And then we'll meet with the arms up. Uh, Lift your chest. Lift your gaze. Let this shape teach your body hallelujah. Especially if you haven't been feeling very hallelujah-like. Okay, now bend the elbows a little bit and take your uh, right hand to the outside. So however you want to hold on to it and pull it. Oh, that's a total lie. It's the left side. Look, you all did it right, but I didn't. So it's pulling the right elbow across. The other right elbow, I know. (laughs) Good thing my class is the imperfectionist club. Even if you're perfect, you're invited to my club of imperfectionists. This this nature is imperfect too. Like if you look at a field of flowers, there'll be some, it looks so beautiful, it's so perfect, but some are kind of half gone. Some have the spit bugs on them. Right? We're like a field of flowers. Some of you have the spit bug on you today. All right. Hands down. Step the back foot forward. Oh, I know. I forgot. Let's just pause this way. Uh, And then step the same foot back. So the right foot back. And your feet are split front to back, and they're also split side to side, and the arms will come up. Okay. Exhale forward. Full. And inhale, come up. And down. 
and up. Just at your own pace. This is uh, cultivating balance and focus. Our arms will meet in the up shape. You'll stay upright, just the arms come down. You'll take a hold of your arms behind you. Some of you have forearms, some of you have reverse namaste. And then you'll tip forward over that front leg. Mm -hmm. Push a bit into the back foot behind you. Okay, come on up. Step your back foot forward. Arms by your sides. Pause. Okay, so now your task is to uh, stick your butt back as you bend your knees and slide your arms forward. (laughs) Bless you. Come on up to standing. So this will be the breath. Exhale. Yeah. And inhale. Now imagine that you were a turkey and you're showing your turkey feathers. And stand on up. Two more. Last one. Now we'll hold here. Hold here. Reach your butt and your arms equally in opposite directions away from each other. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, there's breathing that's happening. Yeah. And if this is bothersome for your knees, do this with straight legs. Yeah, if your knees are bothered, do it with straight legs. You'll need your knees later today. Mm -hmm. Two more breaths. All right, come on up to standing. Let your arms come up. Have your feet shoulder width. Bend your knees forward, fold down, down, down you go. Uh, Turn your head to the right and center and left and center. Two breaths here, head hanging. Uh Good. Okay. Hands to your hips. Come on up to standing. Mm -hmm. Um, Right foot forward. Now this one, the back foot, the heel is going to be off the floor. So the further apart your legs are, the more challenging the situation. You could go really low. Ooh la la, my body says no thank you. So you could be up with the feet quite close. Hands to namaste. Uh, Chest is upright. Big breath. Let's stay upright. Turn to the right. Open your arms out to the sides. Uh-huh. Left arm goes towards the front of the room. Right arm goes towards the back of the room. Yeah. Come back to the center. Hands to namaste. Uh, step your back foot forward. And then... Um, Standing on, so you just had the right foot forward, so let's uh, do the karate kid by lifting the right leg. Do you, we've been working on this one. I made this one up. Stand on two feet. 
and then step that right leg back. And again, the further apart the legs go, the more challenging this is, and the back heel is off the floor. Hands to namaste. Left knees bent, right leg straight. Uh-huh. And then the back heel, make sure it's straight up towards the ceiling. So the knee on the back leg, let's see, if your back knee had an eyeball, it'd be looking kind of forward and towards the floor. Yeah. Okay. Staying upright, turn to the left, arms out to the sides. Mm-hmm. Good. Observe. Observe yourself. Come back to the center, hands to namaste. Hands down, step your back foot forward. Lift your left leg up. Karate kid. Good, stand on two feet. Okay, so left foot goes back, same thing we just did. Right foot forward, uh, right foot forward. back heels off the floor. If you put your hands on your hips, both hips are facing forward. Mm-hmm. Inhale, lift up two inches. Exhale, sink down two inches. Inhale, up. Exhale, down. One more inhale, up. Exhale, down. Hands to namaste. Turn to the right, arms open out to the sides. Come back to the center, hands to namaste. All right, here's your... Uh, challenge of the day. Can we get to Karate Kid with the left foot off the floor? Oh. Can you get back to lunge? Oh. Oh. Okay, try it again. That was fun. And back. It's strengthening. You feel a strengthening situation? One more. Last one. Nobody said it wasn't going to be awkward. Okay, now, um, let's see. Let's turn to the right, adjust the feet. You have wide feet, all ten toes facing the long end of the mat. You have to unstick. Right. And then down, down, down you go. Uh, Take your right hand over to your left leg. You can touch the knee or the calf or the ankle. And draw yourself in towards that left leg. Like you could sniff the knee. I don't know why you'd want to sniff it, but like you could. One more breath. Walk the hands back to the center and hands to your hips. Come on up. Let's turn the right toes to the right. Bend the right knee for warrior two. You might have to scooch the feet around. So warrior two is the one where your shoulders more or less still face this side of the room. And the arms are out. Turn your hands, palms up today. Good. Turn your gaze to the right. And then connect. This is what you came for. Yoga is happening Right now, so connect. Let yourself be. Good. Put just your arms down and then uh, bring your feet together at the top of the mat. Mm -hmm. 
And then we have the left foot forward, right foot back. And again, the back heel's off the floor. Hands will be on the hips. And your hip bones face forward, so you could feel them maybe, both hips, maybe, forward, yeah. Uh-huh. Good. Back heels rotated off the floor. Hands to namaste. Oh, we did this with our hips, but that's okay. Inhale up two inches. Exhale down. Inhale up. Exhale down. One more up. Exhale down. Good. Turn to the left. Arms open out to the sides. And then come back to the center. All right, here we go. Karate kid, right leg forward. Lunge, right leg back. Karate kid. I'm in your way. Karate kid. And lunge. Okay. Turn to the right, face the right side of the room. Unstick and restick. It is called a sticky mat for a reason. Get your feet, all ten toes facing the long end. Uh-huh. And then down you go, forward. Fold. Mm-hmm. Take your left hand around towards the right leg. It could be on the ankle, it could be on the calf, the knee, somewhere over there, and curl your head in. So the back of the neck is long. And then breathe. Good. Come back to the center. Hands to the hips. Come on up to standing. Uh-huh. Turn your right toes to the right for warrior two, and you might have to adjust the feet again. And the knee is bent, and those arms are out. Hands will be palms up. Palms up. Good. Now, what do you observe now? So the observation is infused with kindness, just like when you go on a walk. I don't. I. I don't. When I go on a walk, think about how the tree is too crooked or how. I don't. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's kindness there. Okay, put just your arms down and bring your feet together at the top of the mat, facing forward. And just to pause for a moment. Hmm. Okay, take your feet off the sides of the mat. Turn your toes out two inches. And you can bend your knees a little bit, or you can do a lot. Your choice for challenge, bring your left hand like a little shelf palm up, your right hand in a thumbs up, and plug it down in there. Lift your chest, shoulders back, like you were a... I don't know, what was that? I don't have a word for this, like... Yeah. The thriller dance. Oh, it's the thriller dance? I was thinking more like... Sumo wrestler. sumo wrestler. Okay, let your body learn sumo wrestler. Like, 
oh, yeah, like standing here like a mountain. That was our theme last week, standing like a mountain. And the life comes and the eight worldly winds blow you around. Pain and pleasure or gain and loss. Make like a sumo wrestler here. Okay, straighten the legs. Take the arms up. Lift the chest. Beam out benevolence. Okay. And then bring your two middle fingers together and touch your thumb to them. Two, two middle fingers. So middle finger, ring finger. And they're touching the thumb. And the other fingers are up. Okay. And then you have right arm up, left arm low. And then pause. Sense your hands. And then the last one here. Give me a thumbs up. Yeah. Okay. Have a seat. And have your uh, blanket or your big square cushion handy. So uh, welcome if you're just coming in. Do you need yoga mats? Yeah, so yoga mats are up here, and there's cushions in these closets over here, and there's, there's actually space somewhere in front of the chairs, like right here. Like we were waiting for you, actually. There will be space. Okay, so uh, you'll sit down with your legs out in front of you, and you'll have the blanket or the cushion underneath your right knee. So your left leg's forward, and then... Right knee. Did you see where I meant space right? I know people don't like to come in the front. Right in the middle here. But it's like we were waiting for you. All right. One of the yoga studios where I go to, where I take yoga, um, you can like sneak in in the back and then the teacher doesn't make a big deal and embarrass you. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome. Okay. It's good for me. (laughs) Okay. I'm glad to have you. Okay, so you've got your left leg straight. Um, The round cushion isn't going to work. I need the flat cushion or the blanket under the right knee. So open up this cushion. Yeah. Okay. And let's open this up like so. So it's opened up under the knee. Now I'm going to show you what I want you to do. Your body might not want to do it, in which case, listen to your body. Don't listen to me. But you're going to take your right hand somewhere, and you're going to stand up on the right knee and lift that left arm up. Yeah. Keep reaching the whole left side away from each other. Hips lean forward. Good. Bless you. Okay. Down you come. And then switch the cushion to the other side. Left knees bent. Uh Left hands on the floor. Lift your hips. Standing on your left knee. Extending the right arm and the right leg. See if you can get your right leg straight. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Come on down. And then have both legs in front of you. Okay? And you'll bend to the right knee. Mm-hmm. Hands on your knee, lift your chest. 
If you get here, and even with all the lift, you find that your back is still rounded, grab the cushion, and you could even fold it up, so that you, as much as you can, get a long back. Yeah, it's worth taking the time to get the cushion. Why not? It's, the cushion, what it does is it helps keep the ergonomics of the back. I think probably you practice rounded back enough at work, maybe. All right, hands to your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Twist to the right, mm-hmm. towards the bent knee. Yeah, it's the hard way. And let your arms come down. Uh, use your left arm to hug that opposite knee. Right hand's behind you. Yeah. Turn your chin to the right. Uh And then see if you can sense your entire body. So remember, mindfulness of the body is the first foundation. What foundation, if you think about like a foundation, if we have a strong foundation, um, earthquakes can be endured. So the first foundation of mindfulness is mindfulness of the body. Sense your body. Your body is nature. It's subject to change. It also has its own intelligence and wisdom where it knows how to um, heal itself. It knows how to digest food. Thank God, I don't have to be in charge of that. All right, let's untwist. Extend your right leg forward. Bend your left knee. Uh Hands around the knee and then make your spine nice and long first. Hands on your shoulders. Twist left. Let your arms come down. You can uh, use the front arm, the right arm, to hug that front knee. Left hand's behind you. Yeah. Turn your chin to the left. And then pause. Sense. Sense the entirety of your body here. Someone who'd been coming to my class for years said she could finally feel her entire body simultaneously. So sometimes it takes a while to understand the instructions. We need to be patient with ourselves. We need to think about we're so used to things moving now at internet pace, but really nature's pace is much different. If I make compost in my backyard, it takes months, if not a year, right? Nature's pace. Let's untwist. And uh, you'll come onto your back, and you can use that pillow for your head. That seems like a nice thing to do. So you'll come onto your back. Uh-huh. And bend your knees, feet flat on the floor. And take the right ankle on the left knee. Right ankle on the left knee. Uh-huh. And then hug the left thigh in. On the left thigh in. Yeah. Good. Now, uh, when we do this often, the tail starts to curl up towards the ceiling. See about lengthening your tail towards the front of your mat, front of the room. Uh, Hug the other leg. Keep your legs the same, yeah. 
Yeah. And then sometimes people, like sometimes the hugging of the left thigh is hard to reach. You need arm extensors. And if that's the case, for some of you who feel like your arms aren't quite long enough, you could grab a hold of your shin instead. That can be your right shin. If you can't, yeah, yeah. Just grab what you can reach. Big breath. What if you let the legs slide two inches to the left? Big breath. Okay. Place both feet on the floor. Have your feet as wide as the mat. Let both knees fall to the left. Uh huh. Optional is picking up the left foot and putting it on top, top side of the right knee. Now, when I do that, that hurts my back and my knee. And so then, because yoga is a conversation with the body, then I put the foot back down. So if you find that there's a strain in your back or your knee, then don't do the foot part. Uh huh. Is there something that you could let go of? Yeah. Yeah, do your legs fall even a little bit more that way? Yeah, that's perfect. Does it hurt anything? Okay. Yeah. It's like a twister for adults. Okay. Let's come up, both feet on the floor, straighten yourself out. Take one full breath. Left ankle on the right. Uh And then you might hug the right thigh in, or you might take a hold of the left shin. So just find, yeah, find something that you can reach. Yeah. Good. Uh Uh-huh. Let's do this for you. Lift your head. It too much? The ponytail. The ponytail. Now, your tailbone often will curl up towards the ceiling. See if you can lengthen it towards the front of the room. Lengthen it towards. Another way to say this is I invite the lower back to be a little lighter. Jaw soft. Okay, now. Let's place uh, both feet on the floor. Have your feet as wide as the mat. And let your knees fall to the right. And then here on this side, the invitation is to bring your right foot top side of your left knee. So this verse from the Tao Te Ching, and the Tao Te Ching is called the Book of the Way. It's like really looking at nature and seeing how we can learn from it. Express yourself completely, then keep quiet. Be like the forces of nature. When it blows, there is only wind. When it rains, there is only rain. When the clouds pass, the sun shines through. 
All right, so let's come on up, both feet on the floor. So sometimes we think we're supposed to be um, only peaceful with a quiet mind in meditation, but that's not true. The point of meditation isn't to be just peaceful all the time. The point is to be with what's here. Be with yourself like nature. So when the mind is quiet during meditation, we can be with it. But when there's a storm, we can be with it too, with kindness. Um, So let's stretch yourself out. However you would be comfortable. For some people, lying flat isn't comfortable. So you could put the cushion under your knees or take it out. from. Just find a way to make yourself as comfortable as possible on your back. Use whatever pillows or sweaters you might need, something under the knees or something under the head or both. So you're as easy as possible. So here, we make no effort. And um, I've been teaching long enough to know that even though when I look around the room, it looks like everybody's peaceful, I know that this pose is not the easiest pose for everybody. So don't be fooled if you look around the room. We can bear witness to this human condition. If you're not feeling peaceful this morning, if you're not feeling peaceful, find a part of your body that feels okay and see if you can sense that okayness just whenever you think of it. Soften the jaw and the lips and the eyes. Relax the back of the tongue where it turns into the throat. And you'll let your windpipe, your esophagus, settle towards the floor. your abdominal organs relax even your genitals relax
If you're feeling peaceful, you might not be, of course, but if you are feeling peaceful, savor that. Take a deep breath. Bend your knees one at a time and place your feet on the floor. And you'll roll to the right side. So you can linger on your side for a moment. So next we... In a moment, not quite yet, but in a moment when you get up, we'll shift straight into the meditation. And my idea is to have as little movement as possible. So uh, you don't need to roll up your mats, just so that we keep this quiet feeling from the Shavasana into the meditation. You can use your left arm in particular to help you up. And if you'd like to sit in a chair, you can just leave your stuff and go find a chair. And maybe all the chairs are taken, so you could grab a chair if you need it. If you want to sit on the floor, the green cushion, um, I'm sorry, the big cushion is first. And you can sit cross-legged or you can kneel. Find your way to a dignified seat. So we do meditate for hmm, 25, 30 minutes.
We ask that you don't leave during the meditation. So if you feel inclined, you'll take the middle finger and ring finger on both hands, touch them to the thumb. The other two fingers, the index finger and pinky, are extended, and you have the right arm up by the chest, the left hand down by the belly. This for the heart. As you're here, relax the neck and shoulders and your hands. We sit with dignity like the Buddha with our tender, vulnerable hearts And then if you're on the floor, you can let your fingertips touch the floor. Or if you're sitting in a chair, let your fingertips kind of hang down. We call on the earth, this earth under us that provides us with food. We call on the earth, the steadiness of the earth like the mountain. Stay with us. And just sense your hands. Sense what's stable inside of you, maybe the feeling of the tush on the floor or the chair. Then the right hand, palm out, fingers up. You can peek at me if you need to. Left hand, palm out, fingers down. Have no fear. Sensitize your hands. If you could breathe care and compassion in and out of your hands. 
Last one, left palm up as a little shelf holding the right palm up, thumbs touch. Rest your mind in your hands. Rest your heart and your attention in your hands. You can keep your hands here as long as you like. When you're finished, just let them rest naturally. When your mind wanders, think it. When you've noticed the mind has wandered, think it. It's trying to keep you safe. Put it aside and come back to each moment, a sense of being like nature.
just right here, this moment.
from Mary Oliver. When I am among the trees, especially the willows and the honey locusts, equally the beech, the oaks, and the pines, they give off such hints of gladness. I would almost say that they save me and daily. I am so distant from the hope of myself in which I have goodness and discernment and never hurry through the world but walk slowly and bow often. Around me the trees stir their leaves and they call out, stay a while. The light flows from their branches and they call again. It's simple, they say. And you too have come into the world to do this, to go easy, to be filled with light, and to shine. So now uh, we're going to shift, because you're so far away, it's difficult for me to give a talk. So we're going to roll up the mats and scooch a little closer. So the chairs will come closer, and if you're on the floor, you'll come closer. We'll just kind of come together a bit for the talk.
All right. So um, at this point in the class, we share names so that there's some small chance that eventually we learn each other's names if you come regularly. Um, So you'll say your name, and the group will say it back. It goes something like this. Ashley. (laughs) Not too bad, right? Um, And uh, you'll use the mic, which I know some people don't like, but uh, at this room, the sound is dispersed because it's hi um and um you could also think of this as a way of just you know you're here like we're stepping into the circle of community so let's start over here with betty 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 daniela daniela adelina amy amy larry Jeannie. Jeannie. Kelly. Kelly. Chenyan. Joe. Joe. Maya. Maya. Thelma. Thelma. Lana. Lana. Jim. Jim. Karen. Karen. Kelly. Kelly. Anne. Jude. Jude. Molly. Molly. Gay. Megan. Megan. Caroline. Caroline. Anne. Rondi. Robin. Amy. Sheree. Laura. Jean. Carl. Carolyn. Tina. Oh, sorry. Stephanie. I love that um, she's talking about learning from the trees, right? The trees that have a message. For us, the trees tell us you too have come into this world to do this, to go easy, to be filled with light, and to shine. Um, it's called When I Am Among the Trees. It's Mary Oliver um, in a book called Thirst. She's one of my favorites. So uh, aligning ourselves with nature or according with nature or learning from nature or um, settling into actually being nature because we are nature. Uh, And that we can get lots of lessons from nature. Last week's topic, for those of you that were here, was equanimity, the sense of uh, spaciousness or peace or okayness. And I feel like a lot of the examples I gave to explain equanimity were examples from nature, like that sense of peace that we can learn from nature, Uh, like how a mountain is steady 
a mountain is steady and enduring over time as the seasons come and go. Like that, that can teach us to stay steady over time. Or how when we go, say, like when I go on the coast, on the cliffs, over the ocean, and just have this big panoramic view, how I can learn about spaciousness, and I can learn about the cycles in nature, the cycles that happen quite naturally. And that happen in our bodies, too. Like we need to sleep. And we have times where it's, um, we feel quite naturally expansive, like uh, summer in our life. And then other times where we uh, need to pull in and um, be uh, quiet with ourselves, like in nature. And that these cycles run through us because we are nature, that we're not separate. And that life in this modern world can go at quite a clip. But it's a little against our natural pace, like earth pace. Let's move at earth pace. Let's, let's go at compost rates, which is quite different than, oh, my internet, like the page doesn't load quite fast, or all that has to be done. So what we can learn from nature and how we can actually see that we are held, that we are um, part of this earth. It's so easy to feel when we're busy and um, trying to get things done and take care of the kids and work and everything. We forget, actually, that... Um, that we are water. We are 70% water. And so I see this when I go camping and I'm drinking water from a stream after a couple of days on like 70% stream. It doesn't quite feel as romantic out of the tap. <laughs> but we're actually, we're, the, we're water. We're, it's nature right in us. Um, that we're not separate. That we're held. And that we can see that the natural process is a process of change. If we go into the woods and the, the tree falls down and out of the fallen tree comes a nourishment for the next generation of trees. And, and this cycle of change, or when I garden, that watching, it can be such a miracle to actually really plant. Last year I did this. I planted a pumpkin seed. I did two or three. And they came up. And it seemed like they came up out of nothing. Right? Like, oh, yeah, the genetic material, like science tells me, like I can give the scientific explanation, but if I really just looked at that seat, right, it just comes. And it's so amazing. And then I took pictures the whole way along, and like another week later, it's bigger, and then it's bigger, and then the flowers come, right? It's just this cycle of change. And without change, uh, our children couldn't grow, and we couldn't grow. Uh, we couldn't grow in this path of development of our hearts, of the development of wisdom and compassion. So the same thing that allows for the mysterious pumpkin, it's still sitting, the one that we grew is still sitting on the front. It hasn't gone bad yet. There's a little spot on the bottom. But right, like the same change, that's the change that allows us to grow, that allows us to grow our compassionate heart, to walk, to step on this path of um, spiritual development. So um, when we align with nature, we're really aligning with who we are. We're aligning with the natural process of change. And then when we look at our spiritual practice, um, we can see that spiritual practice also involves change. And then we hear uh, from the Zen, the Zenis, they can teach us about the idea of coming to meditation with an idea of no gaining which is a complete paradox because we all sit down to meditate for some reason. There's something that's calling us to sit down, some, some change. Um, and that actually this wish for change is, in fact, part of the spiritual practice. 
Um, it becomes problematic when we are um, really desperate for that change. So, for example, I teach a lot of yoga, I have for years, decades now, and sometimes people come to a yoga class and out of self-hatred, like, oh, I don't like how my body is, I don't like how I look, I want to change myself. That's very different than um, somebody coming to a yoga practice because they want to tend, they want to nourish and protect their body. Very, it might look the same on the outside, but very different. So this wish for change is actually it's part of the spiritual practice. And uh, we can learn from the Zenis about this idea of no gain when we sit down to meditate, this idea of just being with what's here, whatever might arise. And also understand that this is one of those paradoxical places because there is change. There can't be anything but change. That is one of the uh, ways of nature. So spiritual practice does involve change. It's a wish for change. We come with our suffering, and we're wishing to uh, get rid of our suffering or have some sense of ease with that suffering. Or we come with our agitation, and we move towards calm. We come with a closed heart, and we move towards a more open and compassionate heart. Even, um, and I'll say with quotes, advanced practice, there's change moving from non-acceptance to acceptance. And I think that's maybe what the Zen people are pointing to with this no gaining when we sit down to meditate, moving from non-acceptance to acceptance, like, oh, it's like this. When the wind blows, the wind is blowing. We sit down sometimes, and we're cultivating a kind of dignity and ease, uh, like the mountain with its patient endurance through the whole human experience. So the process of seeking change can be healthy or unhealthy. Um, and uh, you could think of healthy, healthy change as being in accord with nature, in accord with nature. And then the opposite, you could think of unhealthy change being more from the ego space, ego-driven needs. But really, if we look at gardening, if we look at gardening as a metaphor, we want to nourish and protect to, to help the garden grow, so to help the garden change to help the garden of the body and the heart grow and change. Just like in a real garden, we nourish and protect. We don't demand. We create the conditions. And much of the conditions that are what I'm talking about are a kind of nourishing and protecting. I can't tug the pumpkin sprout to stretch it to make it grow faster. I could. I could kill it then, right? But I can make sure it's protected from the birdies that want to eat it, right? Like I can nourish and protect Um, And and this instruction to nourish and protect really our bodies, too. You wouldn't be here without these body clothes. Like, we are all here, and we we live this life, and so nourishing protect our bodies as they change and age. Our mind's aging. Is yours? (laughs) It's aging. And then the unhealthy change could be more like a change imposed by the ego, a sort of based on insecurity or fear or hostility or greed or ambition. And really when we're um, moving from those places in our hearts, because we all have those places too. Anybody not be afraid sometimes? Or, right? Like we all have those um, dark spots. But when we're moving from those dark spots, we're really not creating conditions for uh, something wholesome. We're just creating more greed or more fear. And so we can do uh, lots of stuff to nourish and protect ourselves. Like I'm assuming you know this because you came to yoga. 
You came to meditation this morning. So uh, ways that we can nourish and protect. So the uh, idea is, rather than imposing our ideas on top of nature, rather to patiently allow nature to show us what is needed. To allow nature, to allow your heart, to allow your body to show you what is needed. Okay, this is a big thing. I feel like this is maybe like a whole lifetime of practice. Rather than the idea of what we think should happen, actually let it unfold in the same way the pumpkin plant unfolds and nourish and protect. So patiently allowing nature to show us what is needed. So... um, Eat when you're hungry. Rest when you're tired. When you're overwhelmed, take a step back. So that we're in communication with ourselves, in connection. Um, If we get a concept of how we should be or how our spiritual practice, what it should look like, if we're... If we have an assumption, we're imposing a permanent idea. Because the thing is, it's always changing. So this will happen to me. Sometimes I'll go on a meditation retreat and I'll have like this period of time where it's really, um, just really peaceful and lovely. It's so nice. And I'll think, what did I do? I have to do this next time. (laughs) Right? Like I get this idea of what it should look like and I try and make an idea impose like, oh, what's this thing? Can I repeat it? rather than seeing that the wise effort might be fluctuating all the time. Some days we wake up and we need to come to yoga class, and some days we wake up and we need to stay in bed, right? Like, so just the effort will be always modulating and changing because the conditions are always changing. We nourish and protect. Um, it it's, can be so easy to think, like, oh, this... This is the way, what I should do, and then decide to try and do that forever. But that's an idea. When conditions are changing, when we come into flow with nature, our effort will change. Our, um, our practice will change. Where, what teachers we sit with will change, yes? Like sometimes some teacher will have just the medicine for you, and then it'll shift and you'll need something else. So we're all on this journey. Okay, let's see what else I have. Okay, so have you all heard of this um, metaphor of spiritual practice of being like climbing a mountain? You climb a mountain and you get to the top, this sort of rarefied thing. I'm going to say that that um, would fit more in uh, this unhealthy mode. Where this idea of climbing a mountain, only a few people can do it, only a few people that have the right, actually good enough facilities, and there's not much space on the top of the mountain. Let's talk about instead spiritual practice being like hopping in a river. All rivers go to the ocean. All we need to do is hop in the river and let it carry us. So we nourish and protect and carry us. All you have to do is get into the river, and then, here's the trick, stay in it. (laughs) Right? So hop out, hop out, hop out. Let's stay in the river. (laughs) So there are a lot of qualities that can help us float down this river, a lot of qualities that can help nourish and protect us, qualities like trust or confidence or um, 
Persistence. That's a great one. That is not very sexy, right? Oh, like I cultivate my persistent, but it actually can be um, really uh, amazing the changes that can happen with this sort of steady, persistent effort. Mindfulness. Mindfulness can help us float down that river, right? Practicing this cultivation of presence, moment to moment. Clarity, insight. There's a lot of qualities that help us. So we don't fight the river. It's different than the metaphor of climbing a mountain, which is ego-driven. The river metaphor um, is just this sense that actually we all will get there. We all go to the ocean. All rivers go to the ocean. And that's not to say that sometimes our river is um, always going to be this nice, warm, placid, gentle thing. Rivers get really fast sometimes in the... I don't know, whatever, level five rafting and the whirlpools and the big rocks. This can happen too. This can happen too with us in life. And it does. This is the Buddha's first noble truth, that there are things that are difficult and that our river sometimes gets turbulent. Um, And then when the rivers become turbulent, we need uh, support, like community, like sangha, like this class, for some of us who have been coming for a long time, been coming a long time to this class, and some of you have been coming with me for years and years, are other places, uh, other communities, uh, places where you're with people that are really dedicated to the cultivation of wholesomeness. Or uh, when the river gets turbulent, um, uh, sometimes walking in nature that can be really helpful for me or I mean all the things that, that we do for ourselves when the river is turbulent when life is knocking us about so Gil Fronsdale talks about this, this metaphor of the river is from him, he's a teacher in this tradition That's he's great he says he's talking about this uh, hopping in the river He says, often this entails learning how to leave ourselves alone. How not to interfere with the natural unfolding and healing that will occur if we give them a chance. So how can we not, how can we just let this process take us? It's uncertain at times. Life can be very uncertain. Actually, um... That can be a clue when you are really in touch with the uncertainty. That can be a clue that you're actually really in touch with the aliveness. So when we have certainty about things, we've, we've created an idea. We've made a filter between ourselves and the actual reality, which is quite uncertain and surprising and fresh. Our conscious mind might be confused, but our inner life unfolds if we nourish and protect it with attentiveness, with compassion and acceptance. And then to work with nature, we must study it. So uh, I talked about during the yoga practice, uh, mindfulness of the body. Mindfulness of the body. So we are actually connecting um, When we meditate, we can practice mindfulness of the body, feeling body sensations, feeling sensations of the breath, so that we're not um, disconnected from this body. Our intuition lives in our body. Intuition doesn't live in the intellectual mind. The intellectual mind gets confused by its ideas and fears and hopes, and really the intuition comes from the body. Um, 
And then when we study the body by mindfulness of the body, because our bodies are a clear expression of nature, and they really are our most intimate connection to nature. But I was thinking about this too during the meditation, that our thoughts are nature too. Yeah? Sometimes it feels like if we could just stop the thinking, things would be okay, because it can be tormenting. Maybe you don't relate to that. Maybe some of you do, like how we can torment ourselves with our thoughts. But our thoughts are just, um, just also can be seen. In the same way as when you go on a walk and you can look at the, the bird flies by, like the thoughts fly. Thoughts can fly by. Sometimes the thoughts are sticky and we hop on the thought train and then, I don't know, then the meditation, suddenly you've planned your whole entire life. <laughs> Or you've rehashed the whole situation. In that case, we've come, we've we've gotten stuck to the thoughts. But sometimes, with with practice, with a little bit of mindfulness, we can see that the thoughts are arising. The thoughts are nature too. They arise due to causes and conditions. So just like the tree arises due to causes and conditions, the sun and the water and the seed, like the tree arises due to causes and conditions, the thoughts do too. So there can be a simple example, like if you're meditating, if you get a little pain in the body somewhere, that can trigger a whole stream of thinking about what you should do about the pain, what's wrong with you, if you need therapy, right? <laughs> right? So, And we take the thoughts really personally, and they are personal because they're your thoughts, but they're also completely impersonal because if we look back, it probably just arose due to the pain in the body, due to the habits of thinking. We have lots of habitual thoughts. Have you noticed that too? The habitual thoughts we make, um, samskaras is the yoga word, grooves in our minds. And so uh, the habitual thoughts, because they happened once, they might happen again. So the thoughts aren't so personal. They are rising due to causes and conditions. And with practice, we can even learn to observe our thoughts. So uh, my favorite bumper sticker is, don't believe everything you think. Isn't that good? So uh, a few years ago, I went to Asia to meditate with a teacher, um, Uteja Nia. I stayed with him for a month. And he um, didn't want people to go into concentration practices. For those of you that know... Um, you might understand this, but there's, there's mindfulness, which is just being present with whatever's arising, and there's concentration practices where we focus quite intensely, and those, if with practice, that can be developed in the same way you can develop arm strength by doing push-ups. You can develop a concentrated practice, and that can lead to great, uh, uh, great states of bliss. And you might have heard about this some, like people see a light or like this concentrated mind where the mind gets really narrowed and focused. And um, he, he didn't want people to do that kind of practice. He wanted people to stay present to whatever's happening so that you could begin to study the nature of what's happening. So you could begin to see uh, how uh, suffering, your own suffering arises and how it uh, eases. So if somebody told them that they felt really concentrated, he'd say, don't do that. It's stop. He's like, actually look at your mind and see. Observe your mind, because your mind is nature, just like your body is nature. So he said, um, Utejaniya, this teacher said, uh, we want to know ourselves. Who am I? 
We have a nature, a physical and mental process that is happening at this point in time. We need to be like a scientist researching ourselves. Why am I so angry? Why am I so anxious and worried all of the time? Once you know, suffering becomes less and less. So he's saying that meditation is not necessarily about, in his technique, about getting to some sort of exalted state. He's like, be a scientist. Study what's going on. Study the nature of what's going on. And then you can see for yourself, you can begin to see where the clinging is happening that's causing your own suffering, where that, that craving and that holding on is happening and where you're free and move towards more and more uh, freedom, aligning, aligning yourself with nature, allowing the process of change to flow through you. Okay. Let's see if I've covered everything I wanted to cover. I have another Tao Te Ching verse that I wanted to read to you. Okay. This, um, this isn't a, a, a sort of science. This is more like poetry. This is more like poetry. This is verse 25, uh, translated by Stephen Mitchell. There was something formless and perfect before the universe was born. It is serene, empty, solitary, unchanging, infinite, eternally present. It is the mother of the universe. For lack of a better name, I call it the Tao. You could also use the word nature. And in this tradition, you could use the word nibbana, nirvana, awakening. So he's, uh, this is saying there is something formless and perfect, serene, solitary, unchanging, infinite, eternally present. For lack of a better name, I call it the Tao or Nibbana. It flows through all things, inside and outside, and returns to the origin of all things. The Tao is great. The universe is great. Earth is great. Humans are great. These are the four great powers. Humans follow the earth. Earth follows the universe. The universe follows the Tao. The Tao follows only itself. So, uh, My question for you, we have a few minutes for... um, some discussion. If you have any comments or questions, that's open, whatever you wanted to say. But I also wanted to know, um, what are lessons that you've learned? Or what are things that you know from nature? Or what are, what are things that you know about uh, nature? Or how has nature, how does it support you? Sort of a broad question, but we'll see what comes up. A hard question. Yeah, Kelly. I 
I actually just had a question. <laughs> sure. Um, I was a little bit confused about your notion or the thought that um, our thoughts arise out of causes and conditions. Okay. And, um, and at the same time, it's not personal mm -hmm. um, in the sense that, well, conveying, thinking that we don't have can really control or it's really not part of us, and yet at the same time they arise from causes and conditions. Mm -hmm. So I was really a little unclear okay. on that. That's great. We could talk about this for hours. <laughs> Is there someone inside of you deciding to think? Anybody? Sometimes. 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 It's, yeah, sometimes. 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 But sometimes the thoughts just arise, right? Right. Yeah. Just by themselves. Like there's no one in charge. Like, they just come. Sort of like um, the water comes out of a spring. Like, it just comes. So uh, often, um, the thoughts are just, they just arise. There's not someone deciding to think them. They just arose. And they often arise due to the circumstance. Mm -hmm. This is sort of obvious, right? Like, um, you have something work to do, so you're going to think about work. Um, but it gets even bigger than that because, say, there's a pain in the knee that will uh, cause a thought to happen. The, the knee pain happens, and then you start thinking about the pain. So there's a condition of the thoughts about the knee pain come because the knee pain was there first. So that's a condition. And then what you think about the pain has to do with your upbringing, uh, has to do with uh, your relationship to pain, right? So those are all habits. And it's your thoughts in some respect, but in another respect, you're just having the thoughts that are arising due to the conditions that you've grown up in, due to the conditions that you're in now. So to say it's personal because it feels like I'm thinking the thoughts and they're my thoughts. And in that way, they are personal. I'm not saying that you don't have thoughts. Like we have like this reality, consensus reality. We're not trying to get rid of that. But in another way, um, we don't have complete control over them. And they, um, they're hard to stop sometimes. I don't know if you've noticed that because we don't have control over them. There's not a little person inside that's in charge thinking these thoughts. They actually do in great part... Uh, arise due to uh, habits, conditions, patterns. Um, and so the teaching is that you're not your thoughts, that your thoughts are just arising. They're nature. Does that clear it up at all? It does. It helps. Okay. It helps. Thank you. This is one that I think is one of the most confusing um, topics. Like for me personally, I can understand... Yeah, I'm not my body, and it's always changing. But the thoughts feel very much like they're mine. But if we begin to look at them, start to investigate them, and this is the thing that's interesting. If we think that we're supposed to, when we meditate, not have thoughts, we can't actually investigate them. And I don't mean investigate them like follow the content, like I should do this and I should do that or this happens, but actually investigate them. How do they arise? Where do they come from? 
are they my thoughts? Are they actually just nature happening? Right? So understanding how fast they are, how slow they are, how they change, because thoughts are always changing. Their nature, everything changes. So investigating the process of thinking rather than being on the thought train. Now, this takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of practice. Yeah. Or how about, like, we all have habit patterns of how we, our inner self-talk, too. Like, that can cause a lot of suffering and... Um, and then when we begin to cha- try and work with that and change that, those, those can be deeply ingrained patterns that can be difficult to change. They're not impossible to change, but it takes some effort to create new patterns and new habits of thinking. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah, Amy's got one. Um, so I just wanted to talk about nature because mm-hmm. I grew up in um, Mendocino County out in a very rural area and um, it's just so grounding for me like even when I don't have time to be in nature I can just kind of like sense experience like memories of being in that place and I spent I feel like I spent a lot of time just out in these sort of like oak woodlands, like with horses, not even talking to people. Right. And it's uh, very present, but also um, like not not conversating, like, you know, not having like concepts, human concepts, but right. not alone. Right. And very much in the presence of other beings. And right. that is really important to me. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-mm. I think uh, so many things happen when we go in nature, and you've described this really beautifully. And um, often, like the layer of shoulds and judgments, like that can can go a bit. Like we're not so worried about how the tree trunk is growing or what what the flower is doing. Like it's wrong, right? Like you can just there's a lot more sense of ease and spaciousness and. There's so many reasons. I think that'll be personal to each of us. Um, if you're one of those people, not everybody feels at home in nature. I have a, my sister-in-law doesn't. She's like got the opposite feeling of you. But for those of us that do, like it can be a place where we can really reconnect with ourselves beyond the intellectual. Yeah, and I was just, the other day, like I, I work in Mountain View and I have to drive or take the bus to work and I was taking the bus the other day and like we come into Palo Alto and I just like I dread going to work I dread yeah. going in the city I'd rather be and I was just looking at this hillside and there's these beautiful oaks on the hillside mm-hmm. and I was kind of like imagining what this area was like before right. there's still a lot of beautiful areas there but it's very urbanized you know right. um but but even I always notice the oak trees, like they're really beautiful. And even the ones in the urban area, like they've been super manicured. They're all trimmed up. And right. like that's how people want them to look, you know. And then I just notice like there's all this pavement and all these ornamental trees. And it just feels kind of unnatural, like because I'm so identified right. with the local right. way. But But then I have other friends who see like totally unmanicured right wildness and they're like that field looks ugly they need to mow that or something (laughs) right well i think that's um you're reminding me of this um you know the practice of mindfulness of of being present Mm -hmm. in our busy days Mm -hmm. gives us the opportunity to see the cloud 
or to feel the breeze or the little flower, like actually being present. We can, um, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about this, like refresh ourselves with the present moment rather than being like, oh, I have this to do, I have this to do, like, because even I get on that kind of like autopilot, like blinders on, go, go, go. And mindfulness can remind us to, uh, that, that's a way that, that can help us stay in that river with mindfulness to, to, let, to let each moment, there can be little things that can help us stay connected. Beautiful. So that's our time for today. Um, I, so I, you all heard, I, well, not everybody, but so the class is moving to Thursday morning starting in May. Um, the last Friday in April, so the last time we meet, the last Friday in April, we're going to do, um, I'm going to have a closing ritual so come, we'll get red strings, and I'll tell, t- tell you about red strings. You can be part of the red string club. Um, and, and we'll do some closing. I invited um, some of the other teachers like Dana and Janice and Ann Cushman and Anna Douglas. I've reached out to them to have them either come or offer some words for us. So we'll see what happens. But some sort of closing celebration ritual before we start the new day. Um, and then if you could help us put away the cushions and the chairs, so stacking chairs and cushions. And then there's just a couple more announcements, and I'll do the close. Um, and if you haven't paid, um, there's a basket at the back. You could pay there or talk to who's taking the money. Is it? Uh, they have their Carolyn or Jude. Yeah, Carolyn is. Um, so make sure you pay on your way out if you haven't paid yet. And I think that's all. Did I miss any announcements? Okay, I did it. All right, so find your uprightness, find your dignity. Mm-hmm. So may you be uh, safe, uh, safe and protected from both inner and outer harm. And may you be as healthy as possible. And may you be held in this river this river of life that carries us to the ocean. If there are any blessings from this time together, any merit arising, any goodness, wholesomeness arising, let's offer that out so we could sprinkle that out into the world. May all beings everywhere know peace and the causes of peace. Thank you so much for your time this morning, and I hope to see you soon. Thank you. I thought my legs fell asleep. Do you mean mean like full lotus? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I was just today, I was like, oh, I'll just try it, you know? And I'm like, I just, they just fall asleep. (laughs) Like they get tingly, and then like they're
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed continue these offerings, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.